Welcome to episode 41 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined in virtual studio by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who works tirelessly for the success of Grace College and Theological Seminary, the man, the myth, the legend, John Sloat. Doc, how's it going? It's going all right. Um, we are back to our virtual studio for this week. Yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe for the next couple of weeks. I, I don't I don't know what the world changes so frequently. I, I I just don't know what's going to be happening in two to three weeks. You know? Sure. Yeah. We we are. Uh, you know, on the on the uh, is it the NFL injury reports that uh, you know game time decision or. Um, day-to-day is that the, that's more like the baseball injury reports isn't it where it's like day-to-day yeah, yeah. is it's the injury status i feel like 2020 is very much a day-to-day kind of experience where we just don't know what's going to happen next yeah know? absolutely absolutely so uh if you if you'd like to connect with us on the podcast you can hit us up on twitter at v and s pod you can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook page. And we are excited to announce we had a new review on the podcast app and a, uh, a new five-star rating. So we are uh, tickled that uh, someone has taken the time to do that. Love it. Love yeah. it. We don't know who it is, right? We've determined that. We, we're not... Yeah. I, I don't, I, if we do know who this person is, their uh, screen name is sufficiently opaque that we can't figure it out, which is fine, which is fine. So in any case, um, let's, let's just jump right into the sports world. We've got, we've got, we've got a big episode here, John. We've got a lot, uh, a lot of ground to cover with our main topic. So we should probably, you know... <laughs> Work, work, work through our, uh, our, our sports update here. Um, NBA finals have come to a conclusion. And for once, I, I feel like I need to make note of this on the record. One of my sports predictions was actually correct. <laughs> I had Lakers in six. And you, you did as well, I think. So, um, you know, it, it – we, we can question whether or not we have the gift of prophecy on this uh, podcast, and the answer is obviously no. But um, any thoughts you had on, uh, on, on the NBA Finals as sort of putting a bow on this? Um, well, I, I, think we, I think we learned that there, there are people who are truly LeBron haters out there, right? Yeah. Over what has happened. And the media, I think, fuels that by being LeBron lovers. Like, like, like they just ESPN is like in love with LeBron James. Um, and even going to ESPN.com right now will show you that, like, oh my goodness, is LeBron the goat? Is he better than Jordan? And feeling that conversation as well as saying, like, this was an impossible run for LeBron to do, and you just kind of go, like, they were the one seed, you know? This, yeah. This is what was supposed. This is what's supposed to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I. I. Though, in fairness, in the what eight sort of regular season games before the playoffs started in the bubble, uh, the Lakers didn't exactly look like they had things going 
uh, on all cylinders. So I think that led a lot of people to, to think that they weren't going to end up coming out of the West, let alone win the NBA finals. But it's, it was just such a bizarre, uh, bizarre season, obviously. Do you think the heat would have come out of the East if this was a normal year? I, I don't think so. Um, but the, I, I found the heat a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they, they had some fun players uh, out there and Jimmy Butler, I think, I think he was already a top 15 player, but he was toward the bottom of that list. And, and now I think he's, he's raised his game um, in the, in the postseason here uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, again, I think um, there one, my, one of my bigger takeaways is I had not necessarily given Eric Spolstra the credit he deserves for being an outstanding coach. Yeah, I agree. You know, he, 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 got his uh, two NBA championships with the Heat having LeBron and Wade and Chris Bosh. And I think a lot of people, including myself, kind of concluded from that that he was just kind of there to turn the lights on, roll the basketballs out, and make sure the team showed up on time. And then pretty much from there it was, you know, LeBron and Wade and Bosh who, who did everything. And I think the fact that Spolstra has managed to take this particular team to the finals demonstrates his uh, his skill as a coach. I, I think, it, at least for me, it cemented the no. He's he's a legitimate, you know, one of the five best coaches in the NBA right now, kind of guy. And there was when LeBron was in Miami, there was calls for Spolster's head. You know, there there were saying like Pat Riley come out of the GM seat and, and coach the team. You know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's He's too young. He's too inexperienced, but clearly he's got a very good basketball mind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So let's move on to uh, the NFL week five, your beloved jets. Yeah. Um, not, not good. No. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, and five. And, uh, and I don't, I don't see how that changes changes. I think we could lose them all really. I don't know. You think that, and then, you know, they're, my guess is they'll, they'll find a way to win two games. Well, two games I wouldn't be too upset with. If we, if we found a way to win six, I think I'd be upset because that's going to put us in bad draft position. So I'd rather lose two or less. Or yeah. win two or less, excuse me. <laughs> well, of course you'd rather lose two or less. I mean. <laughs> I'd be out in the other direction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Browns have moved to four and one after their win over the Colts this weekend. And if that's not arguably one of the most, uh, 2020 things that the Browns are four and one, then, you know, I guess that's your opinion, but it seems to fit with the confusing narrative of, of 2020. And I watched that game this week. They played a good Colts team. That's a solid team. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they seem to be the real deal. Well, I think that, I mean, the, the, the coaching changes made a, a big difference, obviously. But in, in the little bit that I've seen them, it seems like they've realized that their identity is running the football and then using play action and some other stuff to take big shots down the field. That they are most successful as a team that runs the football 
and doesn't expect Baker Mayfield to throw it 40 plus times in order for them to do well. Cause if you put Baker Mayfield back there to throw it 40 plus times, he's going to make the mistake or two. That's going to cost you the game more times than not. Yeah. And even, even yesterday's game, which we're recording on Monday. So yesterday, Sunday, he, uh, he, he made a couple of big mistakes out there through a couple of, of bad interceptions, but, uh, but you know, it, it didn't cost them the game. Um, and they were able to build up enough of a lead to really take it on. And so the Browns have been fun to watch this year. It's been, it's been good. They may be playoff bound. Yeah. One of the other big headlines from the NFL weekend was uh, Dak Prescott having a gruesome ankle injury. Did you actually see the footage of this? I did not. I, I did not want to see the footage. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I, I don't go out of my way to see gruesome injuries. I, I, I don't understand people who do quite frankly. Um, so I have not gone out of my way to see uh, it, its exact extent, but you know, it uh, the Cowboys are a bit of a dumpster fire themselves there. Although they did come back to win uh, against the hapless Giants, I mean, New York is just a dumpster fire for professional football. The city is. I think yeah. Buffalo is actually pretty good. The city, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffalo's good. Yeah, yeah. The, the city, the city's bad at football. Probably for the next several years. <laughs> yeah. And there were some COVID cancellations as well. Um, so, you know, you, yeah. you've got some, some things going on with that. Um, I want to talk a little college football. I know you're not as big a college football fan. I'm not. Um, <clears throat> a good 15, 20 seconds of college football here. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got more than that. Um, one thing that's interesting is that uh, I, I don't have the exact final score in front of me here, but the uh the the sec they're they're they've stopped playing defense you know their their defenses i think alabama won their game what was it it was something like 62 48 or something like that i mean it's some crazy number like that where um it looked more like a big 12 score and um one of my bigger takeaways is actually uh i you didn't cap unless you saw it on social media. There was the ending of the Arkansas Auburn game. Did you see any buzz about this? No, no. What happened? So Arkansas led most of the way. This is at Auburn, and Auburn's driving with like uh, I don't know, probably thirty seconds left. They're on the uh, on the Arkansas like twenty yard line, and they go up to they. They got some yardage, and they go up to spike the ball because they've got no timeouts. So the Auburn quarterback uh, fumbles the snap, picks it up, and then goes to spike it, and he actually spikes it backwards, like throws the ball backwards. Oh, you so can, running back to pick up the fumble, grabs it, and just spikes it in front of him? Is that, well, is he, that... he dropped the snap. So it was, it was an under center snap. It went right up to him, but he dropped it straight on the ground, reached down, picked it up, and then kind of turned backwards a little bit and threw the ball down to spike it basically backwards. That's a fumble. Yeah, exactly. But the officials blew it dead and uh, called – and even though you know, the ball rolled around a little bit and there was a reasonably clear recovery by Arkansas, like seven yards back behind where the line of scrimmage was. But the officials blew it dead. They called intentional grounding – because apparently the rule is if you fumble the snap, you can't spike it to kill the clock. So mm. it becomes intentional grounding. But then they reviewed it 
to see if it was a fumble. And even though it was pretty clearly a fumble, they didn't overturn it. And as a result, Auburn kicks the winning field goal. So Arkansas kind of got hosed. Not that I care, but I just, you know, bad officiating always just is, is uh, fun to talk about. Well, you know, I, I'm sure Razorback Nation, that's a big listener to this podcast, very upset. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. The, one of the other big headlines, Oklahoma and Texas went to four overtimes. And, uh, and uh, Oklahoma prevailed in that. Uh, and, you know, since both Oklahoma – well, yeah, Oklahoma's got two losses. Texas has two losses. They're now irrelevant for the college football playoff. So – um, major league baseball playoffs are also, uh, in the league championship series and your Mets are not participating in this, correct? No, no, no. We took the playoffs off. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Yeah. Dodgers, Braves in the NL and Astros Rays in the, uh, in the AL. And is anybody outside of Houston rooting for the Astros? I, I, I question whether some people inside of Houston are rooting for <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a mess and that would be that would be i think that's that'd be a bad look for uh um major league baseball if the astros win it'd be bad it'd be real bad but it shows that not it, it was not a total fluke you know uh, that there is some skill there you know and i think baseball's probably a little bit happy that they're playing well and it's not just they're complete trash all year um but yeah. i think for them to lose and be out. Yeah, though, yeah. Anyway, what a mess. The Dodgers-Astros World Series would be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, it would be. That, that's for sure. That's they just for sure. thrown at each other all the time. So, speaking of very exciting, we have moved now to our topic for the day. Okay. And it is none other than you, John Sloat. Yeah. So uh, I've got some questions that, uh, are, that we're going to try to help our uh, audience just kind of get to know you a little bit better. And, uh, you know, part of the ground rules are that uh, you cannot answer no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes for bad radio. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's start with, with some softballs here. Um, or at least some, maybe some batting practice fastballs. How's that? Some batting practice fastballs. All right. So let's, let's start with, uh, tell us a little bit about your family background here. Tell us about your family. Uh, yeah. So um, my uh, mom is a, is a Buckeye. She's from, from the Dayton, Ohio area. Um, went, to, went to Grace here uh, and then moved out uh, to Long Island after she graduated and uh and uh met my dad as he was finishing up college um at long island university uh, there in there in new york and that's um where i was where i was born and uh grew up um a little bit till i was seven my parents had all their kids um there on long island so my two brothers both born in there and then we moved around quite a bit we hit uh several different cities and yeah, yeah, we've moved around quite quite a bit. Probably every three to five years, we were moving. Yeah, I think um, outside of someone who was a military kid, um, you've moved more than any other person as a kid that 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 I know. 
Yeah, we lived in like four or five different cities and seven or eight different houses uh, at different times, which frankly, I didn't know it was weird. Uh, it was just pretty, <laughs> just pretty normal where it was like, oh yeah, we've been here about four years. Uh, and the concept of growing up in the same house your whole life um, was foreign to me until I got to college and realized that's what most people have done uh, in the Midwest particularly. Gotcha. So what was the best part of, of moving around as much as he did as a kid? Um, yeah, I, I mean, seeing different, well, from a sports perspective, it was really interesting to just see what different areas of the country really valued. Um, so when, when we were living in Long Island, I remember getting on the bus to go to kindergarten and everybody's talking about the Knicks. Um, this would have been Goodness, 93, 94, some, some really excellent uh, Nick teams. Yeah. Everybody's on the bus talking about the Knicks. I moved, to, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and they had rivalry day, which I didn't know what that meant, but they're talking about college football rivalry. And it was, you know, during the Clinton administration when everybody had to wear school uniforms. And, uh, and uh, so they had the day where you didn't have to wear it. You could wear your favorite team and I'm, I'm wearing Jets gear or Mets gear or Knicks gear or so- something. And everybody's either uh, Gamecocks or Clemson. And that was, that was the big, that was the big thing. And then uh, lived in Chattanooga for a while. And of course the, the Tennessee orange was, was huge. And then, and then Pittsburgh with, with just the Steelers. They don't care about anything else. Just, just the Steelers. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was fun to move around and see, see that from a sports perspective, but um, just to learn maybe a little bit about the different parts of our country based on where you live. I, I had very different classes, very different people, uh, very different demographics uh, that, I was, that I was with um, during those times. So it, it was fun to see that uh, the diversity of our nation, at least, at least on the East Coast. Yeah. So, um, so then what was the worst part of moving around so much? Um, I, I don't have any, I mean, the longest place I've ever lived is here in Warsaw, Winona Lake. And so I don't have friends that are more than the time that I've lived here. So, uh, you know, some people have friends or people they've known since they were in kindergarten. I, I just frankly don't have those. Um, I've connected with a few on Facebook, but, but that's probably the weirdest thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, n- nothing. I don't know. I, I don't have anything to compare it to, you know. So, sure. I, um, but I don't have like the oh man, I'm from such and such a place. And in fact, my parents moved after I went to college, and I didn't even have a bedroom at my parents' house, which isn't a big deal, right? They moved. <laughs> Me and um, my other brother went to college, so they were downsizing a little bit. So, yeah, and, so. and your and your parents have continued to move. They're, yeah. they're still pretty much on the, on the three to four year cycle. Yeah. Yeah. They, let's see, since I've graduated high school, I'll start there once, twice, three, four. They're on their fifth house since I've graduated high school. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, wh- why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your educational background? Um, and you can take that in whatever direction you want to go with that. Yeah. Um, educational background. Um, I mean, you're, you're a, you're a very well-educated man. I've got a, I've got a couple of letters. 
um, behind the behind the name, I suppose. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, went to went to Grace here um, and got uh, got my bachelor's. Um, eventually, uh, ended up through a series of events getting my MDiv here. Uh, at Grace, which was another three years, got that in goodness, 2012. I, I finished that degree. Yeah, and then trying to dip the toe into whether I wanted to do PhD work or not, I went down to Southern Seminary and got a got a THM. Your year of exile, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my, my year of my year of exile, or my year abroad, as I call it. <laughs> um, my year abroad in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and, and each. Each place was super, super helpful, informative, and made tr- some tremendous friends uh, along that path, including yourself. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, now, the funny thing is, is you call me a very educated man. I have to do a double take because I, I think I'm the least educated person in our office suite here. You know, I think most other people at least have a most people have a PhD if you just do a tour around, but compared to this yeah. I'm more educated. Yeah. Um, in terms of before you got to Grace, though, was uh, tell us about your education experience oh. in elementary school, junior high, high school. Was it uh, Christian school, private school, public school? What kind of uh, what kind of or a mixture of all three? What, what what was that like? Yeah, it was it was a mixture of Christian school and public school. So. Uh, when we were in New York, uh, I went to a private Christian school, a Lutheran school, in fact, um, that was right down the road from where my parents lived uh, on 15 Flower Lane, Center Ridge, New York. Um, um, you can Google Earth it later. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that that was there, and that was that was a great school. It was a, a small school. It was a it was a startup, and it's it's grown to huge. I went to a they had a lot of D1 basketball recruits coming out of that school all of a sudden out of this tiny little Lutheran school in Center Ridge, New York. And then, uh, and then public school in South Carolina, um, which was, which was a trip at the time. It was like Alabama, South Carolina, and Arkansas were all fighting for the worst schools in the country. <laughs> and, and I remember they would wheel in these trailers uh, for us to do school. in when I was in, goodness, uh, third, fourth, and fifth grade, I believe. And I, we would get these trailers, and they were old beater trailers. Uh, and they all had air conditioning. But I remember on more than one occasion, just random things happening, like all of a sudden, we'd all get evacuated from the trailers, brought inside. Well, one of the trailers, the air conditioner unit, because of South Carolina, caught on fire, and the trailer was on fire. And they were having <laughs> Um, I also remember being there and just in the pouring, pouring rain and seeing mold grow down the inside of the doors of the trailer. I mean, it, these things were a mess. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, South Carolina has the worst schools in the one of the worst schools and school systems in the country. Um, and then uh, and then moving to Tennessee, did private school um, there at a, at a little probably a little bit more of a wealthy uh, private school. Um, there in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then Pittsburgh went to a went to another private school that was probably a, probably a bit a bit more poor. So, but for the most part, private Christian education. But I, you know, except for that one year in, in South Carolina, which is like 
everybody's religious in the South, that, that sort of feel. So it kind of felt like, like we still talked about Christianity and faith at the time. Yeah. From what, from what I remember. Okay. So he, here's a question. Uh, these next two questions are actually from, from listeners. Okay. Um, well, let, let's start with uh, some of your favorite classes that you have taken in your educational experience. Okay. Favorite classes. Um, probably the most formative class for me. Um, I took a class on Galatians uh, my junior year of college with uh, a name from the past year for you, Ed DeZego. Um, and I think that that really formed me in like getting me to slow down in reading scripture. I think before then I had been reading pieces and trying to feel good about it or, you know, just read it without connecting it to the rest of the argument or anything. And that was just really impactful for me because he really made us sit down and like, I want you to write down what Paul's trying to do throughout the letter. And that was hard. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting in the library, just reading Galatians six, seven times through and just trying to figure out why is he saying what he's saying? And that was a life-changing question for me, trying to figure out why Paul was saying what he was saying. Um, and then, oh my goodness, uh, I took a Romans class with Tom Schreiner down at Southern, where we would go through his uh, com commentary on Romans, and we'd make appeals sort of based on his commentary, sort of get, sort of trying to get an attaboy moment out of him. <laughs> and he would regularly go just like, actually, I've changed my mind on that since writing that commentary. And then you start writing that in the margins, and now he's come out with a second edition, so that's all useless. Yeah. But um, yeah, those, those were, as well as, uh, taking New Testament theology with you was a, was a very formative class. Um, yeah, I would, I would say those are probably some of my favorite classes that I've taken. Okay. And when it comes to, um, favorite roommate or sweet mate during <laughs> your, uh, educational experiences. Um, uh, I'm, and I'm told by this listener that there's a right answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Weddle um, is is the right answer. So I had Jordan Weddle as a sweet mate uh, for two years. And that I was... can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah, so uh, Jordan uh, was my sweet mate when I was a graduate student um, at Grace. And we, uh, yeah, we had, we had a great time. And, and even like having some intentional discipleship and spiritual conversations during that time was, was great with him. So cherish that time and think about it fondly often. That was nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your, your vocational journey. My, my guess is that when you were a kid, you didn't, you weren't sitting there thinking when I grow up, I want to be the director of the blended program for Grace College and Theological Seminary and teach classes and that sort of thing. And my guess is that that wasn't your, uh, your vocational aspiration. So actually, let me start with, besides wanting to be a professional athlete, which I think most That's boys good. want to be when they're growing up, if they're into sports. Besides that, what were some of the things that when you were a kid, you thought, maybe I want to be this when I grow up? Um, well, I think I had some pretty traditional firemen, policemen, those sorts of things, because I had neighbors in, in particularly in New York that, that were those things. Um, I actually wanted, I would say initially probably hockey player. I, I know we said not athlete, but 
specifically hockey player watching uh, the Rangers uh, win the cup. And I think 94 in New York was, was probably the first sports thing I really got into. Um, and then, uh, my goodness. I, I, and then I, I don't remember having like a clear, like, I must do this. Remember in middle school, there was a time when I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, but then I realized I don't, I don't like conflict that much. So why would I do something <laughs> oriented around conflict? Um, I said accountant for a time because my dad's one. I said teacher for a bit, but that was short lived when I was, when I was young. But yeah, th- those are sort of the areas that I, that I think of. So then how did you end up where you are today? Like, how, how did we, how do we get to the point where you're in this position today? What, what sort of uh, steps along the path kind of uh, transitioned you and moved you in these directions? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've never been one that has felt a really, really specific or strong calling. Um, like, like I think, I think my specific calling is probably much more be faithful and, and, do what's right in front of you well, um, and uh, look for opportunities to grow it. You know, I I think that's probably, look for ways to improve it. It's sort of been probably more my calling than anything, um, which is, which is of course, super vague. But um, after, after finishing my degree at Southern, um, where I was working the factory floor with a master's degree, right? which, which was wonderful. I learned a lot about project management in that job and seeing something through to the end. Um, and that was a really great informative job. But um, I knew I wanted to get back into, uh, back into de- student development, so uh, mentoring students, working with students. Um, but beyond that, I, I, and I got hired here as an RD, right? I got hired as a resident director and um, brought on to Grace uh, for, for that and re- really, in, really enjoyed that. Did that for about four years um, and was constantly trying to, was constantly trying to change things that we're doing there going from, you know, some of the forms that we were using, different things like that were, were felt way out of date. And so had an opportunity to update some of those things and um, spearhead new things that we were doing and uh, d- different things like that. Um, and that was, that was always really great. Um, and my plan was that um, I was going to do that for four years and then I was going to look for another job um, in just about anything Four or five years. I was going to look for another job in just about anything, just because the pace of that and living in the dorm was, was hard and difficult. A lot of middle of the night phone calls. Uh, so um, I started applying around the country at universities to either work with students or work in student affairs to some, uh, in some capacity. I didn't, gosh, I never thought that, uh, I didn't know this job existed that I currently have. Um, and I think it's a combination of, uh, well, cer- certainly God's grace to me, but, but a combination of the people between you, Aaron Crabtree in student affairs and John Lillis, who has, has since retired. Uh, that, I, that I have the job that I do, um, that I think the three of you, independently of one another, all mentioned the position to me. Um, and so, uh, unless, unless there's more backstory to that, and you guys were talking. Uh, but 
but I remember you mentioning it to me in the basement. I remember Aaron pulling me into his office and we, we talked and he and I talking about it for 90 minutes. And then John Lillis finding out that I had a THM in a separate meeting for another thing and going like, why the heck are you in the dorm? Um, basically. John, you, I, I, I'm surprised at you to think that there was this massive deep state conspiracy to get you into that position. So three, three people, that's all I'm saying. Three, three people. You heard it here first. You've unmasked the conspiracy theory. QAnon strikes again. So, um, Yeah, we could do a podcast episode about that. Um, or not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how, I, that's how I've ended up where, where I am now. And goodness, I, I find myself employing project management skills. I'm, I'm finding grant writing seems to be something of a strength here. Uh, I'm, frankly, some of, the, some of the best training I had was... Uh, being a waiter at Applebee's and having like a few minutes to sell people on some upgrade they should have and talking to them about uh, master's degree programs. And um, I'm using a lot of my RD experience talking about calling and my goodness, where are you going in life and, and those sorts of things. Gotcha. So um, we are coming up on the six month mark of you being uh, sorry, five month mark of you being married. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in three days. Yeah. Yeah. So you and your lovely bride, Andrea, um, mm -hmm. tell me about, uh, maybe one of the biggest surprises in marriage so far. One of the biggest surprises. Yeah. Maybe something that, um, you know, you're not, uh, that you didn't expect, that has been the case or um, yeah, I'll just sort of leave that generally broad for you to, to, to address. Yeah. Um, honestly, probably the first thing that comes to mind is I snore way more than I ever realized. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, that's probably the thing that I noticed the most um, uh, about myself. And then, and then I think, I, I think we're slowly becoming like one another. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. That oh, I, yes. I'm picking up a couple of her habits. She's picking up a couple of my habits. Um, yeah, I, I think that's some of, some of the things we're picking up about one another as we go along. Very good. Very good. Okay, on to something completely different now. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's talk some sports. Let's talk about most painful sports memory from one of your sports, from your, one of your favorite sports teams. And this was a, uh, another listener uh, submitted question here. Good to know our listeners skew negative. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, you, you, no, no, no. We had a listener ask who your favorite roommate was. That's a positive question. I know, but he was the, the, the <laughs> that, that just feels really self-seeking, you know, <laughs> Um, <laughs> hey, I report, you decide. That's, that's, that's how I'm rolling here. Um, my goodness, most painful sports memory. Um, probably the one that I tweeted the most about was the butt fumble uh, that happened on Thanksgiving a few years ago. Uh, watching Mark Sanchez uh, fumble that ball and then having to watch it every Friday on SportsCenter for the next, I think, year or two. At and least, that. yeah not top 10 and they just basically retired it because it wasn't getting dethroned 
<laughs> gotcha. Uh, that one, and then probably one more related to the actual outcome. Uh, the I think it was the 05 Mets where Carlos Beltran struck out, um, third pitch looking uh, in the uh, NLCS, um, and uh, and they lost the game to the Cardinals. Um, that that was a tough one. Uh, trading uh, Patrick Ewing was another tough one. Okay. Goodness. Yeah, I think, I think those, the, those are the main ones that I think of. Those, those are all pretty painful. Gotcha. Okay, so um, what about favorite sporting event you've attended? You, you've attended a decent number of, of sporting events. Yeah, prob- probably one of the more interesting things I've done is, is my senior year of high school, we were living in North Pittsburgh, and my dad won two tickets to every home Steelers game that year. Uh, and so me and my dad went to most Steelers games that season. We gave a couple tickets away. I think I was doing a college visit. He wasn't able to, I was, so I wasn't able to go to one, but, uh, but yeah, my senior year, we went to just about every home Steelers game. And that was the year they won the Super Bowl, uh, uh, the 06 Super Bowl. So that was, that was really, really cool. Um, and seeing, uh, Jerome Bettis's last game was pretty good. Uh, but probably, probably the best is we went, went with my dad and my brothers to the Final Four one year um, in New Orleans and, and uh, got, to, got to watch the uh, Anthony Davis uh, play for uh, Kentucky and beat, uh, beat Kansas in that game. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was also the year that uh, Kansas beat Ohio State in the uh, national semifinal despite Ohio State leading the entire game up until the last two minutes. But in any case, um, I, I remember you sending me pictures. You had like crazy nosebleed seats in the Superdome for that, right? I think we were three from the roof. Uh, <laughs> uh, roof. Um, it was to the point where you, I could not see the nets uh, on the on the yeah. court. Like you could see the orange stood out enough that you could see that, and the microphones were hooked up right underneath the hoop, so you could hear it swish or go in. But you could not hear, uh, you could not see the nets. Yeah. It was delayed. Gotcha. Okay. So this might have to be our last question uh, based on time here, but I had to get to it. I need you to name something specific that you disagree with Tim Keller about besides baptizing babies. Okay. Two things. Two things. Um, and they're really nitpicking, and you wouldn't know them if, unless you went to his church in New York. Um, he does not allow coffee in the sanctuary. <gasps> I know. I know. Um, it, and the people were very gracious there with me. But, I, but I, I was walking around New York City. I had a backpack on. I was not dressed for Presbyterian Church at all. <laughs> and I just, I just walked in with my big cup of Dunkin' and just walked up to the balcony and looked at the bulletin and on the bulletin, no joke, like in two or three different places, it said no food or drink in the auditorium. Um, and I just kind of went, maybe I'll just wait it out. And then somebody came to me and asked me to ask me to remove it. Um, wow. A little intense um, from, from my perspective, but you know, I'm, I'm just a freewheeling Baptist here. So, um, and then, uh, and then the other thing that I disagree specifically with, he sells his sermons like he, he does not just simply give them away. He gives lots of them away. 
Um, but he does sell his sermons and I, I, I think that's weird. I don't like that. Okay. All right. I'm glad we got a substantive disagreement out of that besides just the coffee thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. He sells his sermons. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's substantive enough for you, but. Shows about you today, John. So it's <laughs> okay. Um, well, I did have some more questions, but I think in the interest of time, we probably need to move on to our athlete. We are at uh, episode 41. So um, why don't we talk through our athlete here, John? Um, get us started. Yeah, so uh, uh, Dirk, uh, the, the big German uh, from, uh, from the Dallas Mavericks. Does he have a last name, John? Nowitzki. Like, uh, that, that W sound is a V sound in, uh, in German there. So Nowitzki. Nowitzki. That's my bad. Um, I try not to pronounce German last names. Uh, <laughs> Tom Seaver, uh, Tom Terrific, the uh, legendary Mets pitcher. Uh, and then I don't recognize this guy, Wes uh, Unseld. Yep. Well, Wes Unseld was an NBA player, actually maybe even ABA player uh, back in the 70s. Uh, I think it was the either the ABA or the NBA MVP a couple times, won, won a couple of titles, I think, uh, at least one, played for the Washington uh, Bullets, as they were known back in the day. Yeah. So, and then our Ohio State athlete is Keith Byers, a legendary running back for the Buckeyes in the early 80s, 82 to 85, and was actually the runner-up for the Heisman in 1984. Great pass receiver out of the backfield and a strong, powerful runner. So nice. All right, John. I know we have to, I, well, I'll, I think people basically know uh, what I'm about here, but uh, I'll go Tom Seaver. Yeah. See, I would go Dirk Nowitzki. Um, not that Tom Seaver's not great. I mean, he was obviously instrumental in the, uh, as part of that 69 Miracle Mets team, had a long, I mean, he probably, he, he, did, did he win over 300 games in his, in his career? Probably, yeah. right? 311, yep. Okay. Um, You're already under three. Yeah, so, you know, I, I would not say that's a bad pick by any means. Um, I, I probably lean towards Nowitzki just because I think he was the first uh, big international player who was like a, who's basically a seven footer, but was a knockdown shooter and was a dominant player and paved the way for a lot of the athletic bigs that you see uh, in the NBA today from, from overseas. Um, but since it is the John Sloat episode, I feel like I should defer to you. Uh, well, well, we'll go Tom Terrific then. Okay. Tom Terrific. Tom Terrific it is. 2.86 ERA. Uh, 75, 76 hit by pitches. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, this weekend, uh, my good friend Pat Lobes had a fall party. So a bunch of people from his neighborhood and some friends uh, gathered at his house to enjoy uh, just a lot of desserts, a lot of soup, a lot of flannel, a lot of fallish. Uh, so that was, that was a super enjoyable party. And, um, Pat's been trying to get me to come to this thing for years. 
and uh, I've never gone and this was my first time going and it was great. Gotcha. So uh, I posted this on, uh, on Facebook yesterday, but yesterday was a big, uh, kind of big day in the Harmon household uh, for two reasons. The first is that it marked the, uh, it was 25 years ago yesterday that I proposed to Kate and she said, yes. Um, actually, technically speaking, when I asked her to marry me, she said, um, did you ask my dad? Which I hadn't. So that, uh, that created a little bit of a, a stir. But my response was, um, after she had said, uh, did you ask my dad? I said to her, um, no, I asked you a question first <laughs> that you need to answer. <laughs> so it worked out. It's been, it's been a good 25 years um, since that date of proposal. Okay. And then uh, it was also significant yesterday that we sent off our oldest son, John, down to the Indianapolis area to start a new job. And so moving out for your first sort of post-college kind of, uh, you know, full grown-up adult job, uh, that feels a little weird to be at that stage of life where we're sending out our oldest to, uh, to do that. So... It is pretty exciting to put everything you own into one car and <laughs> with it. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. like there's a very um, American experience about it where you, where you just throw all your clothes, maybe a piece of furniture or two into the, into the car and just drive. Yeah. Yep. He, he packed up the car and I think uh, this upcoming weekend, I'll probably be taking maybe some furniture down, like, you know, a bed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to uh to help him out but yeah it uh, doesn't seem like i'm I'll, i'm old enough to to be at that stage of life but here i am so so are we ready to call uh mission accomplished here john i think so i think uh, we're ready to wrap this bad boy up yeah so we have we have only scratched the surface with the depths of john sloat but you know we're both busy people and, and next week, send in your questions. We'll be doing the same thing for uh, for Doc Harmon. So, okay, yes, yes, the tables will turn. So uh, that may explain some of the kid glove treatment I gave to John today. Uh, not asking too many probing questions, trusting <laughs> that he will uh, go and do likewise next week. So, um, well, I think let's call it mission accomplished. Ready, John? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So uh, all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.